Thanks for listening to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Now, here are your hosts, Nina and Brian Dixon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. We've been we've been off for, off of this for like what two months? Couple months, yeah. It, let's not we're exaggerate. Gonna, we're gonna go deep into our story and as to why. Into deep thoughts with the Dixons. Okay, guys. First of all, I'm not even gonna apologize for not having an episode for the last two months because no. of the shit that went we went through. Well, I think what's really important is that sometimes things arise in life and you got to put your focus on that and you can't feel bad about doing that right you got to take on your priorities and do stuff that's a good point that you made because that's a little bit of like kind of what i want to touch on um actually me and one other person kind of went through similar different situations and scenarios that made us kind of step back from our work per se but um we both felt the same effects and it was me and my friend i won't mention her on here but uh we both kind of just like felt like life handed it to us these last few months and we both kind of just withdrew from our stuff. And it's funny because I think both of us went through like moments of like doubt and fear. And I personally have this very like go-getting personality. And like if I don't do something to the fullest extent, then I don't even want to start it. And I think that was a big learning lesson for me. Because that, that, that can sometimes be a little crippling to if, an extent. If anybody knows me, I think people use an excuse many of the times to do something and then don't follow through. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't stick to a schedule. Sure. I did do the podcast every single week by the book. I'm over a week, actually. Um, We had 61 episodes come out on time every single week. And I did it for a year and that was my promise. And I stuck to it. But then, and I would have continued to, but then I'll explain later what had happened. This whole, these last six months, probably since April, I've had like the biggest struggle with like work and motivation and even just health in general. Like, can I get up and record? Can I speak without getting dizzy or fainting? Like it was a bunch of stuff. But for anybody who dealt with something in life, a traumatic experience or a health issue or whatever, I'm not talking about your partying and not showing up for work or just because you don't feel like doing something. It was beyond that that people like us cannot be so hard on ourselves. And I think that was the biggest lesson, that somewhere along the way, I made something that was so fun for me, podcasting, become so stressful for me, instead of just looking at it as fun. And I think that was like a big lesson for me. But um, we'll just jump right in as to why we were missing in action for a while. In April, I would say, and I I don't even remember if I shared this on the podcast at all ever, But I had mentioned back in April in some episodes that I wasn't feeling well, that I was dealing with some health stuff. And long story short, I woke up in April one day before going to the chiropractor and felt like really uh, like tingling and numbness in all of my like hands and feet, which was like very random. It was mostly in my leg. It was exactly on April 3rd. I remember this day. Prior to that, beginning of the year you guys remember I hurt my back doing some crazy workouts that's important because lo and behold I did not hurt my back we'll find out later so in April I wake up and I have this like tingling weird sensation in my left knee and I'm just like what is that you know and I'm talking to my chiropractor and he's like I don't know it 
you know, it starts to go to my right knee and then it's my left knee and then it's my arms. Over the course of two weeks in April, I basically could not move without feeling pain, numbness, and tingling in all of my extremities, which is really scary. And that sent me down like doctor after doctor. And if you guys know, that was like right at the height of COVID and that things were shutting down. Everybody was staying home. Made it super difficult to even get any understanding of what was going on because it would take months to get a doctor's appointment sometimes. Yeah, there was no masks at the time either. It was all just like you sit home. And so a lot of doctor's offices were also closed at the time. This is like first week of April. So Brian and my mom were like, it's nothing, it's nothing, you're fine, you're fine. And I hit a point where during those two weeks, I was laying on the ground thinking that I hurt my back or like slipped a disc and it was causing like all these like weird paralyzing type feelings. At the same time during that second week, Onyx, our dog, got hurt. And we went through about five or six days of that. So I'm hurt. Onyx is hurt. We don't know what's happening. And we can't get in touch with a doctor for myself. And we can't get in touch with a doctor for Onyx. And our vet gave us just some medicine and said she'll be fine in seven days. She was getting worse in those seven days. So the stress levels at the time, I can't even... I can't even put them in words anymore because I don't want to emotionally go there. Um, it's a part of something that I've been working on, but it was like to the 10th degree, probably the most stress I've ever felt in my life between myself and Onyx. And poor Brian is like now beginning to work remote, full time at home. And between me and Onyx, <laughs> he's just like getting the run out of the stick at this point. Um, Welcome to Brian Daycare. Yeah. Can I help you? Literally. Can I help you today? Um, and obviously... I was so scared that I was going through a lot of like crying bouts, like four or five times crying every single day, freaking out, getting nervous. My mom can't come because the flights aren't uh, open. Like everything was shut down. You call a doctor's office. Uh, We don't know when we're going to open up. We don't know when we're going to do this. So I was just dealing with it in April, Uh, stopped working out, stopped doing everything, kind of became very um, stagnant in my life per se. I think I was still recording here and there, like really forcing myself. And I think I gave some hints about it too in my episodes. Long story short, in May, exactly a month later, I woke up with like the worst pain and tingling and all this stuff in my forehead and on the right side of my face. No idea what it is. I think it's just like a sinus infection, but the pain was obnoxious. I go to urgent care. They say they think it's a sinus infection. Okay. Three days go by and I'm like, this is not a sinus infection. Like I had lumps on the side of my, what are these called? Lymph nodes. Lymph nodes. They were like the size of like mini balls. Like Brian, Brian felt them. He's like, you need to go like now. And there was like these little like, um, what are they called? Blisters? Yeah, there was like these little blisters like all over on my eye. It was very scary. And it hurt like I've never felt. I have a very high pain tolerance. It was the worst pain of my life. I go to urgent care and they're like, oh, it's shingles. And I remember looking at the girl and being like, I'm not old. Like old people get shingles. (laughs) That's what I always thought. And she's like, actually, she's like, we're seeing more and more young people, especially in their 30s, get shingles. 
And I'm like, okay. So I get this medicine and I'm out for two weeks. Like, not that I'm, forget the fact that I'm tired and I'm out. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I can't walk anywhere. I have pain in my whole body. I, Brian saw me. Like I was, I was taking, I don't even know how many milligrams of ibuprofen three times a day. And I was in the worst pain of my life. Nothing was taking the pain that I was experiencing away. And so for two weeks, I didn't, I didn't shower for 10 days. I didn't, um, I barely ate anything. Like I tried to because I was taking such heavy medicines, but I would just sleep all day, watch TV, cry, sleep all day, (laughs) watch TV, cry. That's all we were doing. And also in the midst of all this, Onyx has a, we realized that she has a slip disc. Mm -hmm. So she's getting surgery while all this is happening. Um, She's actually in recovery mode at this point. And I think that's what put me over the edge when we found out what was wrong with her. Well, one of the things too I want to touch on that you kind of skipped over a little bit is one of the reasons why we think this potentially came on was because before all the shutdowns happened, uh, you were not feeling great and you went to an urgent care and they prescribed you steroids, right? And then we went on a, a trip out of town to Mexico and we were back a couple, like five, six days later and you weren't feeling well still and so you ran back to urgent care to be like hey i'm still not feeling good they give you a second they just give you a no, second no, no, cycle no, of no, steroids no, no, right no, 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 no that's not what happened i had steroids before we went to mexico because i had vertigo that's nothing new for me i've had vertigo one other time in my life and i was like okay whatever it's common when people get vertigo like once every five six years and then went to mexico had the best time ever came back in March, healthy as a horse, running six miles or so and working out outside. And then in April, all the numbness tingling started. Two weeks into April, right around the time that Onyx got hurt, we I had vertigo again and they gave me steroids again. So it was about a month later then from the first time, right? No, it was two months later from the first time. Okay, so... Okay, two months later. So regardless, if you're not familiar with what happens when your body takes steroids, it basically decimates your immune system. I mean, it dramatically lowers your immune system as it starts to try to help with the rebuilding process. So taking that so close together, because you usually don't have to take steroids that close together, right? Nino's immune system was just in a very delicate state already, and it actually induces weakening the immune system when you take steroids like that. So if anybody's out there and they're have a weak immune system and they've taken steroids or something and something happened, it's possible that the steroids had a large thing to do with why your immune system was so weak at the time. So here's the thing, and we don't have clear answers on this, so don't take this as like medical advice. We're just sharing what happened, is that I didn't consider myself to be to have a weak immune system, right? But now after going through the process and learning what I've learned, because I was eating so clean but so minimal, like I eat like a bird, but I have always been that way. Like I'll eat juices and smoothies and a huge salad. And I'll like, I I just was never into heavy food. But because of that, I also wasn't getting all of the nutritional stuff that I should have been getting to begin with. And we're talking like last five, six years that I was working out like a psycho like you, you probably would have been fine, but for as intensive your workouts that you have. No, because I would you're have depleting been, yourself so much. I would have that way, or I would have been fine if I was running six miles and eating at least like twenty eight hundred to three thousand calories a day. Yeah, if which you would, I was. You would have dramatically increased your consumption of Correct. calories. Correct. I wasn't doing that, and it wasn't a thought. I wasn't purposefully not eating. I was just used to 
having my fruits and vegetables, eating my salads, eating a little bit of this. Like I was just a small eater. But eventually that caught up to me because now it's at a point where I'm going to get more results back in about three and a half weeks. But my uh, rheumatologist was like, it's two things. She's like, you have serious nutritional deficiencies that are not showing up on your regular doctor's blood work. Mind you, I've gone to like 10 doctors, but I'll get there. And two, she's like, you're not getting enough oxygen in your body. And this is funny because she goes, I've been watching you speak for the last 10 minutes and you haven't taken one normal breath. And I looked at her and I was like, what? And first of all, I appreciated somebody calling me out like that. Really, I did. And after looking for answers for six months, I just have somebody sitting there telling me these two simple things, you know, and she's like, whatever it is, you'll be fine in three to six months. And I'm like, what? And she's like, you'll be fine. And this is this just happened like a week ago. I just had this conversation. So this is new information for me. And I remember driving home and I'm like, wow, like after six months of people telling me they don't know what's wrong with me. Or just trying to throw a pill at you. They have no clue what's going on. So here's my journey. After all this happened, I basically just told everybody the end. But after all this had happened in April and the steroids happened and the shingles happened, the first problem is, is that all of May and June and July and August and September and currently October, I go through some serious pain bouts on the right side of my face near my eye. Where the shingles outbreak happens. Correct. That's not normal in a 32-year-old, okay? You get shingles, you get over it, and you move on. It's called post-herpatic neuralgia. I may have mispronounced that. And it only happens to people when they have a really serious case of shingles or they're really old and have a weakened immune system. Third reason that can happen is that you got you did not get the antivirals for shingles in the right time. So in the first two to three days of the shingles appearing on your face, if you get antivirals, you're going to be fine. I had the wrong meds for the first three to four days because urgent care thought that it was a sinus infection. So they gave you steroids again, right? No, I had antibiotics. Oh, I got you. Okay. And the fourth day I went back, which was too late, and they put me on antivirals and steroids. Third time now, okay? and ibuprofen. The problem is that I already did not have enough in my body to handle steroids back in February. Then I got them again in April. And I never had steroids before in my life. So is this a huge reaction I'm having? I don't know that yet. Nobody knows. And now I'm going through shingles and trying to rebuild my immune system. Well, I'm pretty much out of commission. Like, I haven't seen... Hold on, I want to mention one thing. So you're seeing all these doctors. This is a really important point that I think discusses one of the biggest flaws I see. Well, I got my first appointment for a doctor at the end of April, right? I could just run them through that. I'm not talking about that. Um, I'm saying what what we noticed as you were going to see all these doctors is not a single doctor until this last one that you saw about a week ago ever said a single thing except... You have a weak immune system. Here, we need to take this to try to make you feel better for your symptoms. Not a single doctor said, here's how we should strengthen 
your immune system until this one you just mentioned. They didn't even say anything about my immune system. Yeah, like like not a single like they didn't say you should change your diet for this or this and that. Like the whole point of why she is suffering from this virus is because her immune system is compromised. Every single treatment that was given to her up until this point was around throwing a pharmaceutical at a symptom to try to make you feel better to mask that symptom without actually healing the underlying issue. Mm-hmm. And that's a fatal flaw within our medical system mm-hmm. in the Western world. Mm-hmm. So right before shingles, I was able to see a doctor and she did all sorts of blood work on me. Just a normal PCP, nothing special. And she's like, your vitamins are fine. Your minerals are fine. This is fine. You don't have diabetes. You don't have this. You don't have that. She's And it's all telehealth, mind you. She's like, nope, nope, nope. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then I, she sends me for a spine MRI because I was dealing with a lot of back pain too at the time. This is where it gets crazy. And this is before shingles. She says, the spine MRI report comes back and they say, you have five small disc herniations. I was shaking when I was driving home. I called Brian freaking out that day. This is late April, before shingles. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't go to surgery. I would never do that. Like, I'm, I'm deathly afraid of doctors and surgery and all that stuff. Yeah. And take for, take for granted, this is the... One of the premier radiologists in the St. Louis area that did these exams. And I take it, I call my parents, and my parents are like, there's no way. Like, yes, you run all the time and you work out all the time, but. Yeah, I'm telling you, you know, like, there's absolutely you, no way from running you have six disc herniations. Yeah, you or don't get it was. five small disc herniations just from like doing that. And you're only 30. Like, you have to have some severe, serious impact to get those. And so. I talked to both my chiropractors too, and they're like, even if you do have five small disc herniations, which is probably not true at your age, no matter how hard you work out, unless you were in a car accident or something like that, or you fell, they're like, you wouldn't have all these symptoms, you know? Disc herniations don't cause all of this random sporadic numbness and tingling. That's just, it. mine was very random. Mm-hmm. And, but my doctor was like, this could explain your symptoms. You need to go to a neurosurgeon. Basically like saying surgery is probably what's going to yeah. have to happen whenever again, he was talking to yeah. you. Yeah, and again, can't really see a neurosurgeon right now. It's like two, three months out. Like I called, I tried. The guy that she referred me to had horrible reviews. I'm talking like two point something. I call my parents in the middle of all of this and my mom's like, no way. No, like she's like, she's like not even believing it. She's like, no, she's like, email it, mail me your stuff. And she calls a family friend of ours who's like a really renowned neurosurgeon back home and has like 40, 50 years of experience. This dude is smart. I'm talking like genius smart. And lo and behold, it takes about two weeks for me to send it to him and him to look at it. And he looks at it and he says, you have no disc herniations anywhere. He goes, do not let them touch you. Don't let them come near you. And he goes, and no matter which way I look at it, he goes, your spine MRI does not explain your symptoms. And he's like, this could be an after effect of really bad shingles, although it only happens on one side of the body usually, the pain, numbness, and tingling. It could be just lingering effects. I would wait another four weeks. And if it's still there, I suggest you get a brain MRI. This is where shit gets freaky. 
I got over the spine MRI hurdle, right? No disc herniations. I'm good in that department. And now it's four weeks of pain, numbness, tingling, can't walk more than a block, can't wear sneakers, can only wear like flat flip-flops. I can barely do work around the house. I can't even put on like like a, a sport compression pant, like a Lululemon pant or something yeah. like that, or like an Adidas pant that's tight because it would mm-hmm. actually start causing pain, ting, and numbling. Yeah, it's weird. Like if I wear gym clothes to this day, I haven't worn gym clothes in like six months, but if I try, all the pain, numbness, and tingling comes back like full force. It's very scary. And this is now, what time are we on? June, like June-ish. Uh, my mom's pretty fed up at this point because she can't really get to me and I can't get to her. She flies in, even though it's COVID, and kind of stays with us for a few weeks. And me trying to boost my immune system because I'm doing so much research on Google as to why shingles happens, I decide to drink lemon, honey, turmeric water every morning on an empty stomach for like five days, which completely blasted the acid levels in my body to a point where I was having stomach convulsions and I couldn't eat or keep anything down June, July, August, and some of September that I was completely like barely getting any food, couldn't take any vitamins, couldn't take anything. Like I was, I was living off zucchini, watered down zucchini boiled and like a little bit of rice and lentils. That's and yogurt. That's all I was eating all summer. And for somebody who has shingles and now took steroids and has a weakened immune system with all these symptoms, I couldn't physically eat anything else to help my body get back and get all the nutrients. So we were in a really weird spot there for a while. On top of all of it, when I went to a gastrologist, I think that's how you say it, they give me omeprazole. And omeprazole is like an over-the-counter Prilosec or Zantac. I don't know what happened, but two months into that, I had like such severe reactions and we didn't know yet what it was for. Like physically and psychologically. Yeah, that like my chest pain on the left side and my arm, left arm, it literally like if you looked it up, it felt like a heart attack. Like I thought it was a mini heart attack happening. And so we went to urgent care where they did an EKG and all this stuff. And they're like, no, you're fine. Now we're looking at August. And meanwhile, all this time, doctors are saying, here's like, you can take Xanax, you can take this, you can take gabapentin, you can take Levaquin. These are all very serious pharmaceuticals. And if you guys know us and listen to our podcast, I'm against them. I'm not for it. So no matter how much pain I was in, I never took gabapentin or Levaquin, not Levaquin, um, it's another, it's, there's another name for it. I'm forgetting it. Um, never took these serious pain meds that people do take during and after shingles, especially, or for like neuralgia problems, because I don't know what's going on. So I didn't want to mask the symptoms. I wanted to get to the bottom of the symptoms as to why they were happening, but no doctor could tell me what was happening. They just had pain remedies for me or like anxiety meds for me. And I'm like, no, yes, I've had anxiety before. Yes, I've had a tough life before, but I, I'm not dumb. Like, I know that this is not happening from that. Um, so this is August. I get off my omeprazole, still can't eat anything without feeling nauseous. I'm literally sitting at 113, 14 pounds at this point. And my normal weight is probably between 100, 120 
like 120 to 125. I'm about five, four and three quarters. But like if I'm running and working out a ton and just eating clean, I sit at like 118, 119. And so to be 112 and 113 with the food I was eating, like I got grossly skinny. Like I was like my jeans and pants and so like everything was slipping off of me. No, there, my clothes were not fitting me. And so I got to a point where it started to freak me out too. And I would like call my mom crying. I'm like, mom, I can't even eat to like nourish my body back to health. I can't even do anything. And it's been like five months. I decided to start take a, um, a more natural route. I know cabbage juice helps heal the lining of your stomach. So I went off of meprazole and I started drinking cabbage juice for two weeks. Which and gave, one of the things I think I remember noticing objectively from you is when you quit taking the omeprazole, psychologically, you completely oh, yeah. changed in like 48 yeah. hours. Like, yeah. you know, you were much more upbeat. You were much more positive. So if anybody I mean, I'll, out, just, I'll just come on and say it. I was having very, I was having like suicidal thoughts in August. Like it was, it was flat out like creepy and weird. Yeah, like, like I that even, could never happen yeah. before until you started taking that yeah. medication. So if anybody's out there taking something like that and they start noticing some weird thoughts and depression quit taking that medication yeah. and like i'm not that kind of person there's nothing wrong with that but i just i i never i, I just i don't talk like that you know yeah, what i mean ever, like ever. there's just something wrong and it was just all day i would cry to brian and i was like saying really really negative things and i got off that met those the omeprazole which is nothing people yeah, it's eat like that a, stuff it's like, like candy a stomach thing for like stomach indigestion it's like an over-the-counter medicine yeah, it's it, not it a can, big deal it can mess with your mind that's but, for sure uh, and, and everyone's telling me, the gastro doctor told me, no, it's not that. My PCP told me it's not the omeprazole. Urgent care told me it's not omeprazole, okay? Literally, 24 hours after I stopped it, my heart symptoms and my arm symptoms, pain, went away. Mm-hmm. And that's where it started to like fade away slowly. So, and I'll get to the point of why this is all important. The steroids, the omeprazole, um, the ibuprofen, because we find something out later that shows that I should have never been given those things, but we'll get there. And so I started drinking cabbage juice, which starts to help bring my stomach kind of back around. If you guys have ulcers or any stomach issues, cabbage juice for three times a day for about seven to 14 days can pretty much heal a lot of problems in your stomach. However, for some odd reason, cabbage juice was also flaring up my nerves in my body because it's very... um, gash gas it how do you say it gaseous gases gases or gaseous <laughs> i don't even Gaffes. know <laughs> so now my uh eye where the shingles happen around it shingles never got in my eye until this point where end of august my eyes like swelling up again and so i run to the eye doctor it was actually an optometrist and he's like i think it's a shingles flare-up And I was like, but it was never in my eye. And he's like, sometimes if it's close enough, he's like, a flare-up can just kind of happen anywhere in that area. Whoa. Like, I've heard horror stories about this shit. So now I call an ophthalmologist. Luckily, I got in the same day. And he's like, I think it's shingles. He's like, nothing else makes sense. And he goes, the only other thing I can think of is like a pool infection from when you went. He asked me if I went swimming. And I did go swimming once this summer. And he's like, I think it's shingles. Long story short, end of August, I'm back on Valcyclovir, which is an antiviral, which they gave me the first time for shingles, and a steroid drop in my eye. I'm still on it. It is October 10th today or 11th. 
and I'm still on that stuff. He's trying to figure out what's happening. I have an appointment next Friday, but it's controlled. Whatever it is, it's, it's controlled. In the last two, three months, after doing cabbage juice, I went and switched over to celery juice, which was much easier and calmer on my nerves because whatever I'm experiencing right now is nerve-related. So after doing celery juice for about two months, I started to feel like way better. Last month is the first month in September. My mom got here on the 13th. Today is the 11th, so almost a month. I've been eating upwards of 3,000 calories a day probably. Fruits, vegetables, fresh juices and smoothies that I make in the house, all of our home-cooked meals, all organic meals like lentils, beans, vegetables, um, spices and herbs. Like So basically anything and everything that's being consumed at this point over the last month, I would mm-hmm. say month, month and a half, is all foods, herbs and spices that have specific ways to strengthen your immune system. Correct. And my mom... And you're seeing, like, even for me looking at you objectively, like a remarkable difference in terms of your mood, your physiological health, like how you're just expressing how you feel every day. Like each week is significantly better as your body is like rebuilding and repairing yourself because what we view it as your immune system is getting stronger and stronger from the food. Right. So my mom, from the very beginning of, like, the very get-go was big on like, Nina, you were not eating enough food for the last several years, and I always told you. My response to her would always be, Mom, I'm eating so healthy, like leave me alone, and I don't like to eat heavy food, and blah, blah, blah. But along the way, I was getting hints and signs from the universe. I was going to an acupuncturist in late in late summer um, just to help me deal with my stress from all the health-related stuff, which is another side effect I had. I started to get like serious stress and anxiety just because of what I was dealing with since April. Like, I didn't want to see anybody. I don't want to go anywhere. I missed a ton of family stuff with Brian's family. Like, I'm still missing it right now. Like, I just don't... I have zero desire to go outside of my own self right now until I figure out my health. Like, it's, it's that simple. And it's because I'm scared. And I have been scared, you know? But ever since my mom got here, I definitely have done a 180. And I can feel it, too. But she's just been, you know, feeding me what she wanted to feed me. And obviously, you guys know, like, my family's very healthy and into all that stuff. So, like, literally every single meal that's prepared is made 100% from scratch down to, like, yeah. the ingredients. Yeah. So There's it, no it Obviously, it's, it's a time-consuming process, but it's working. Like, nothing is processed. Like, anything your mom makes down to the individual ingredient yeah. is made from complete scratch and consumed. And so the level of how it is absorbed in your body and how it, um, like the health of everything that's being mm-hmm. consumed right now is just perfect. And that's the food that I grew up on. Sure. Like she never bought spices and stuff from a box. She always got spices, whole seeds and grinds them up herself. Mm-hmm. So it's fresh spices, not something sitting on a shelf. She buys like organic, the real stuff for everything. And, and even bread, which is a very time consuming piece of our like diet but she literally makes it from scratch on our counter with a rolling pin every night rolling it out burns it over an open flame yeah like like it's it's insane like and i guess i because i grew up this way i'm it doesn't shock me because that's how my parents live right Mm -hmm. but last five or six years i kind of took the raw vegan route and although i was cooking a lot at home i wasn't eating it i was giving it to brian like i wasn't really sitting there 
eating the lentils and rice that I was making, right? Sure. I should have been, and I was wrong for that. And that's a part of why I'm sharing this with you is that if you choose to go down a, a, a path of changing your nutrition, do not do it without a doctor or a nutritionist who is experienced in these things. Mm-hmm. And I'll elaborate on that in later. But um, so yeah, last month I've been eating everything and anything up under the sun that she makes. And I, two weeks ago, walked two miles for the first time without any pain in six months. Mm-hmm. And it's like, a month of food did that, yeah. you know, like I have done nothing different. I have gone to neurologists. I've gone to doctors. I've gone to um, a neurosurgeon. I've gone to a functional medicine doctor. I've gone to a ton of different places. Long story short, I end up at this rheumatologist because my, one of my blood markers came up borderline like autoimmune. Nobody thinks I have an autoimmune. I'll clear that right now. But and that number can be in a very healthy person too. But when I met this rheumatologist about a week ago, she was explaining to me how she's like, when people choose to go raw vegan or to go vegan, she's like, it just kills me because I don't know how to say to them, you're on the right path. Yes, vegan is the way to heal your body. But please do not follow the Western version of a vegan diet. Yeah. She, I think she basically said that the only way, or for, from her experience, right? Like one of the only ways to consume all of the nutrients that you need on that kind of a protocol is through a specific way yeah, of eating, right? Right. And I have to be careful with how I say this because it could come off wrong. But what she was, because my mom was in that appointment with me flat out. And my mom was like, here is what I've been feeding her and seeing improvement. And she's like, organic lentils. Okay, so in India, you have like 50 different types of lentils. And they each do something different. There's a different health benefit to each one. At Whole Foods, you see two types of lentils. Okay, so my mom's like, I give her all these different lentils each day. I give her, uh, yes, I am not a vegan currently. So my mom was using organic grass-fed butter, organic yogurt, um, organic rice, not there these are stuff that we didn't buy at whole foods we were ordering this stuff from india or going to an indian grocery store and and if you guys want to listen to a podcast on that i've shared um the difference in indian and european products versus american products so all this stuff is being done and my mom's naming out organic vegetables and surprisingly enough the lady knew the vegetables that my mom was talking about i'm not talking about your cauliflower broccoli and zucchini no, I'm talking about bitter melon. I'm talking about Indian squash. I'm talking about okra. Very different veggies that are not common in the Western diet. And she's just, the rheumatologist is shaking her head like, yes, yes, yes. And she's like, that is exactly what I would suggest. And in three to six months, she's going to be fine. And she's like, I don't know how to say this to people, but you cannot be a vegan without consuming. She's like, the easiest diet I can point to for people is without consuming a full, organic, wholesome Indian diet. And you just sit there for a second and you just, like I was wondering in that little minute, I was grateful to have the background I have. I was grateful to have the mom that I have. I was grateful to have the upbringing and 
knowledge of food that I have, but I was so angry with myself in that same second that somewhere along the way, I let all that go and became this raw vegan and running six miles. Like that's what I, I did this to myself, you know? And although I was, she said, she goes, she's like, you definitely, she's like listening to you and looking at all your paperwork and all your blood work. Cause I'm telling you, dude, my stuff came out really healthy. All of my blood work was spot on doc. People were like baffled. Like what is wrong? There's nothing wrong with this girl. And the only thing that came back was a little 1.40 autoimmune number, which is nothing actually is nothing of concern. And also a gene mutation called the MTHFR mutation that I have. And I have two of the mutations that are positive. That's important now because it means that my body does not methylate properly. But I never knew that. I never knew I had this problem. Because you've never encountered something that would even rise it to your consciousness that you had. Correct. So about 80% of the population has it. One mutation or two. Mm -hmm. But... When I told my functional medicine lady about two months ago, I said, I can't drink alcohol. I drink and I'm sick the next day. And it's not like a, just as me observing, Nina, it's not like a, I'm a, I drink a little bit too much and I'm hungover type sickness. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm actually sick. You yeah. Know? It's not like throwing up or anything. It's yeah, not vomit. like nausea and stuff Yeah. Like it's that. like a sinus infection sick. It's like mm-hmm. a fever sick. It's like that kind of sick that I need antibiotics. And I've been dealing with this since I could remember when I started drinking so as I've gotten older, I have really toned the drinking down seriously. Like I have two or three huge wild nights out a year and then I'll just like not do it. Mm-hmm. But when I told her this, her face was, that's interesting. And she's like, a lot of especially Asian kids, Indian, Chinese or Asian, Asian people have these gene mutations where they can't methylate properly, meaning they can't process alcohol correctly and the toxins stay in your body and release out into your blood hence harmful to you okay 32 i've been drink. i drank heavily in law school i drank heavily in college um drank heavily afterwards for a little while it wasn't until i came to st louis that i smartened up because it just didn't make me feel good anymore and i had the balls to just be like no i'm not drinking or i'm not gonna have a drink with everybody else but she did that test i told that to my rheumatologist and she's like just looking at your history and all your blood work and knowing what you've been eating, she's like, you weren't eating unhealthy. That's why I'm positive you don't have a disease. She's like, I'm positive you don't have some serious issue in your body. She's like, from my observation, she's like, I don't think that you were getting enough B vitamins in your body due to diet. And she's like, and even though you were taking vitamins, she's like, your body cannot take folic acid and folic acid is what they put in place of b12 in 90 percent of the vitamins on our shelves currently today anybody with this gene mutation or actually even a healthy person should be taking a vitamin that has b12 put in there as folate not folic acid i'm not going to go into this it's really scientific long story short even the vitamins i've been taking were harming me they weren't going into my body properly So she's like, I think that you have serious nutritional deficiencies. I don't think that you have a disease per se. She's like, a person who's even eating one apple a day and running is not going to get sick and get a disease. They will have nutritional deficiencies and their body will react poorly. She's like, so you have nothing serious to worry about. And I looked at her and I'm like, my symptoms. I was like, I have been dealing with doctors telling me that I have MS, 
that I have Lyme disease, that I have all these crazy things. I was like, I even had a brain MRI done. And she's like, even if you told me you had MS, I would tell you that with the diet that you're going to go on or with the diet that your mom has already started you on is exactly what's going to reverse all of this. Like literally, she looks at me and says that she goes, I wouldn't care what you told me. And it just made me like, again, I was like relieved and confused at the same time, you know, long story short, that's what I've been doing. And yes, I have good days and bad days. Some days I'll wake up and I have pain again, but other days I'll wake up and I like yesterday we all went down to um, the St. Louis wheel in downtown St. Louis and my mom, Brian and I spent like five hours there. And I was completely fine. Like, I forgot anything was even wrong with me, you know? And so other days I wake up not so hot. So it's kind of like up and down. But it's more good than bad currently. And she put me on a, uh, she gave me B vitamins that are specific and easy for anyone's body to absorb all the vitamins and go in properly and then she, she goes, I even give these to people who don't have the gene mutations. She's like, why would you put folic acid in your body when it's not natural? She like, those vitamins on the shelves are not natural. So that's something I learned new. And two, she gave me this test called the ion test. This thing is like $800 out of pocket. <laughs> um, but it's one of the most comprehensive nutritional tests that they can do on somebody. And I'll get the results in four weeks. But she kind of already named things for me like vitamin B's. She thinks my amino acids in my stomach is kind of like screwed up from eating raw vegan all the time. Um, And she looked at me and she goes, you need organic grains. You need legumes. You need vegan culture. She's like, you need those things in your body. She's like, I'm not going to tell you to eat meat and I'm not going to tell you to eat dairy. She's like, but you need everything else in your body, 100% Mm -hmm. to its full extent. And I'm like, okay. And I, I, I didn't know her story yet. Okay, when I met her. And so I go home and my mom's super pumped. She's like in the car with me. She's like, I told you, I told you, I told you, I told you, I told you. <laughs> and she's like, I told you. She's like, your grandparents are not wrong. Your aunts and uncles are not wrong. She's like, I'm not wrong. I told you nothing's wrong with you. And she's like, who cares? And then she even said, she's like, when the body goes into like this defense mode, she's like, or the autonomic nervous system gets compromised, which is what she's telling me has happened. Nutritional deficiencies and an autonomic nervous dysfunction is what she's calling it which will be fixed in six months with proper breath work. And I am trying to talk pretty slowly on here, but this is my first time coming back to podcasting. But I'm going to learn. I think I'm going to use the podcast as a way to teach me to speak slower and breathe more. And I know that I've kind of gone in and out of it this past, I don't know, hour that I'm speaking, but I'm going to train myself to get better. And my mom's like all excited and pumped. And so that's what we've been following and that's just what we've been doing and it's like let food be thy medicine is what it comes down to um i forgot to share something my functional medicine doctor for my gene mutation said that i will forever be on a pill called deplin 15 milligrams and i said well what have to be on it forever and she's like it'll help with the stress and anxiety but you have a gene mutation so you'll forever have to take this I, a couple weeks later, told my rheumatologist about this. And that's when she said, no, here's vitamin B complex. She's like, this is all you need. You don't need a high dose of Deplin. That, again, is fake. It's a vitamin, but it's a pharmaceutical vitamin that was medically made, chemically made in a lab. She's like, that's not what you need. 
She's like, you just need more folate in its natural form. And I'm like, okay. So when I say that you guys need to pay attention to your diet and to your nutrition, especially when you make a large change like this in your life, I'm not saying go to your primary care doctor. I'm not saying go to some random nutritionist. They're going to tell you to eat red meat and say don't go vegan. They're going to tell you to do something else that you don't want to do. I'm saying go to somebody who is literally a specialist in their field and has seen people have some serious autoimmune disorders or diseases and has reversed them with food, has helped people literally be MS-free, which this woman has. Tell, um, tell a little bit about her background. She's story. known in St. Louis. I don't want to name names, but she's pretty well known in St. Louis. Um, the thing is that she doesn't take insurance or anything, so everything is out of pocket. Um, it's a lot. I know I know it's a lot of money, but... And she's a rheumatologist, right? Yeah, she's a genius. Um, I knew from the minute I walked in this place, um, I met a woman who she helped. This woman had breast cancer twice, and she had helped this woman figure it out. She helped another woman with something. I'm forgetting the story. But her herself, actually, had Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. and Which is like a very severe type of autoimmune disorder. All the doctors in the area were like, you should be thankful that it's not lupus or it's not that or that. Here's like, you know, you could just take medicine and you'll be fine. From what I hear, I haven't heard the story from her yet. From what I hear, um, she refused to take any medicine. She never took medicine for that. Um, instead she healed herself with food and it took two years and she reversed it completely. She's free of anything. She's completely healthy. And and some people may be thinking like an example like this, like, oh my gosh, two years, that's a long time. But would you rather invest and, and everybody's different depending on what you are and how your body reacts, but just think about it. Would you rather invest a period of time in healing the underlying issue or spend the rest of your life taking a medication? That masks it and causes other problems eventually in exactly. your life. That's the problem. These pills don't just mask it. These pills cause other serious issues in your body that you learn about 10 years later. You know, those commercials that come on TV like, yeah. have you ever taken blah, blah, blah? You may experience <laughs> high blood pressure, heart attack, an additional leg growing out of the side of your head. <laughs> um, so you don't want to go that path. And from personal experience, just mine, um, just one month of food has helped me immensely. So although it probably took her two years to get better, I bet you she started seeing results pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I started reading more about reversing these things. I started reading about like these scary random symptoms that I was feeling that everybody was calling them like some serious disease that, yes, when the body gets nutritionally deficient, it mimics these things. It mimics these serious things and it doesn't mean that you have them, you mm-hmm. know? But uh, it's been a big learning lesson for me, both how I choose and proceed to live my life moving forward. I so let's let's touch on that for a second. Okay. So you, there's been a huge learning. Me as a, you know, independent individual helping Nina throughout this time and observing the change that's happened in the evolution. Tell us, like, because I've seen it firsthand, right? Like, there's been a huge evolution within you over the last six months, just in your behavior and your mindset and how you approach each day, like the amount of gratitude you have for the smallest things. And you always did, but I'm saying it's been so amplified, right, by going through this experience. So walk the listeners through, you know, how you feel like you're going to take these next steps forward with what you've learned. I have I feel as though that I've always been a very grateful person. I've always been a very humble person as well. Like I've been, my adult life has been like very good to me. 
But as a Gemini, I have always had trouble with feeling feelings over like how my mind runs. So like I will think things, whether it's business, whether it's relationships, whether it's health, whether it's how I look or how I'm perceived or all these things versus just feeling and following my heart. Okay. And although I've been kind of in some ways been forced to feel more because the universe made me so uncomfortable, like for example, when I moved to St. Louis, thinking, 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 I would have never moved here. Okay. Because I've shared this story before in our podcast, didn't have a job, you know, was just taking a blind eye. Brian and I weren't even engaged at the point. I was literally just taking like a blind risk. I was taking a chance again, like, let's give our Let's give this another chance, you know, but uh, that was me jumping into my heart and it was, it's so scary because your mind just runs rampant and then your heart and your feels just like this tiny little thing of like, but this is what I want to do. And when you get so uncomfortable, you're forced to just do what your heart is telling you to do. And I feel as though these last six months took that and amplified it almost like Nina, you're not feeling enough still. You're not following your heart still. You're still overthinking things. You're still running with your logical mind and everything. And this is not what I want for you. And I was forced to feel my way through things for the last six months, good or bad. I was forced to face doctors saying that you have, you know, it could be MS. And then no doctor for like three months. And I'm sitting home thinking I have MS potentially. I have people saying that it's Lyme disease and I don't have a test result for like four weeks. But I'm going to sleep and waking up thinking that it could be Lyme. Like, again, thinking, 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 right? Where deep down in my heart, somewhere along the way, I was just like, it couldn't be. It can't be. Like, I eat so healthy. Like, you get diseases in your body mostly from eating bad, okay? It doesn't, nutritional deficiencies can be reversed. Yeah, but there's, I think there's more components than that. Like stress is a huge component. Environment is a huge component. I agree. And just think about the the word in and of itself, right? When you have disease, if you break the word apart, there's a dis-ease. I I agree. In your body and something is triggering that. I'm getting there. Excuse me. Yawning. Um, So, but for a 32-year-old who just changed her diet five six years ago this wasn't 10 years of drinking this wasn't drugs this wasn't red meat this wasn't ice cream and potatoes and fries and eating out for dinner and unhealthy oils no it wasn't that and somewhere in my heart I knew that and so and I did actually that's the funny part is that I was even though I was scared and crying the whole time I look back and I just see like how resilient I was the whole time too like if a doctor didn't give me the answer that I was looking for or told me no, I went and tried to go to somebody else. Not because I didn't believe them, but because I knew that you can't look at me and say this is anxiety related and just give me a Xanax and tell me to go home. You know, I kept searching. I kept looking. And I was not looking for a diagnosis per se. I was looking for how do I fix this and get rid of these symptoms forever naturally. That was my goal from the very beginning. And I think that taught me that one, always follow your heart internally. Two, I learned that I was coping with life 
trauma, traumatic events in my life that happened about eight, seven, eight years ago, I think. And I was dealing, because that's when I started running like a psycho. Um, I was dealing with those same things through running. But I think I over, I outgrew those, I outgrew that issue. I outgrew that trauma long ago. So I don't have to keep running like that and running five, six miles a day because it makes me feel better because it takes my mind off other things or I didn't have to be doing that. You know, vegan, five, four, three quarters, like I don't need to be running that much. I'm a small person to begin with. So the mental component was I should have been aware enough to see that I don't need to run to deal with this in life anymore. Okay, I'm okay. That was eight years ago. You've moved on. It's mm-hmm. fine. Um, and that's with anything in life is that I become so stuck in my routine. I become so like, this is working, like raw vegan, this is working, that I overdo everything, even work. Mm-hmm. I'll overwork and over push it to a point where that thing, instead of helping me and nourishing me, it begins to harm me. And it's all because of my mind. If I choose to follow my heart a little bit more or feel my way through things a little bit more, I could be more intuitive and I could go with how I feel as opposed to thinking all the time that I have to do this. I have to do this because of why? Because of this. You know, it's like so logical. It's just like a puzzle piece for me. That's how I look at life. And so that's not a healthy way. There's no balance there. I also feel as though I've learned a lot about my body and the medical system in general. And I've also learned that you cannot take a pill. I, uh, I grew up that way. So I was not that number that's out there of thousands of people who just took a pill from the first doctor and sat home and said, okay, you know. I wasn't that girl who took the small disc herniation MRI and went to a neurosurgeon and got surgery and said, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't that person. I basically fought back because I knew in my heart it's not, this is not it. This is not it, you know? So I've learned to trust myself more. I've learned to kind of feel my way through. And I'm not there by any means. I have, this this is going in waves. Like healing and growing is not linear, it goes like up and down, up and down. It's like a, it's, it's, it's a messy road and I know that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even 100% there yet. I'm only a month into my diet. I have yet to get my results back from my ion test. I have yet to start this breath work with her. I have, I have like a journey ahead of me, at least up until next June. I have like time. And next year they're going to test me again for this number and make sure it's gone forever um, and below 1.40. But this, I'm not done yet. Mm-hmm. And... But now I feel as though anything I do or anything I experience, I feel more gratitude. I feel, like yesterday when we were at the wheel and we hung out on like that area, I don't even know what you call it, but we were watching the fire show. We were watching like the Halloween like, costume kids. I was in the moment. Like I was appreciating just being able to walk around. I was appreciating my mom is here with me. I was appreciating that, you know, I could go on that wheel completely fine. I was having no symptoms. Like, and, and an important thing about what you just said that I think is a hopefully a lesson to a lot of people because I think it, anybody can catch themselves in it at any time is that 
don't allow a serious life situation to occur to put you in a state of understanding that you should be so thankful and grateful and be in that moment at all times, right? Like, like it's, it it can be challenging with everyone's busy lives and things. And, and sometimes a, a serious situation completely transforms you, right? And it puts you in a different state of mind where even the simplest things you're like, wow, I am so grateful just to have this experience. I agree, right and my mo- and my mom says that to me. She's like, "I've always told you, like, don't let the universe force you into certain things. You know, you have a choice." But I listen. I admit it. I wasn't aware enough of what I was doing wrong. You know, and although the last six months have been extremely serious in my life, and the symptoms have been really serious that I'm dealing with, I am grateful and thankful looking back that it's it's something that's just fixable. I just need to eat more and eat more. You know what I mean? That's all I need to do. And once this eye situation is fixed, which I'm still dealing with, I'm cleared. You know, it's, it's, it's all up. It's all good from here on out. But you're right. I think that we should always look back. And I literally mean this. We should be re-evaluating our actions, our choices, and our decisions. We shouldn't just do something because we've been doing it for 10 years. Okay. You shouldn't just be doing something because someone else is doing it. Hey, all our bodies are different too. What works for me doesn't necessarily work for you, okay? I can't just sit here and say everybody should eat this food and do this and do that. I still stand by don't drink, don't do this, don't do that. I still stand by the same stuff I said. Um, I still stand by don't eat meat. But I can't. No one shoe. Like What is that saying? One size does not fit all. And you have to like make the best decisions for yourself. And sometimes you have to accept and know that you think you're making the best decision for yourself, but you're not. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I say like always question things, always research things, always seek out an expert in your field. Get different points of view. And screw Google. Okay. (laughs) Google sucks. Google was a big part of my Well, there's a lot of people I think that probably have challenges with that, that if you are trying to figure something out that's going on with you because you feel like you're not getting clarity from doctors, you can go down a rabbit hole really quick and add a lot of stress to your life. And all of a sudden, you know, you think you have something that you probably don't have at all, but because the symptoms seem the same. And I think one of the things that you learned going through this process also is that this, the same symptoms can apply to a thousand different potential things. Look at, I'm right? the biggest example of that. Like literally people are saying like the MS is exactly what people in their, in this field were saying to me. And then my brain scan comes out completely clear. Mm-hmm. Well, now what do you have to say? Yeah. You know, or, oh, this sounds like Lyme disease negative. Okay. Now what do you have to say? Mm-hmm. So yes, your symptoms can mean a thousand different things. Um, my eye so one time I took Xanax in the middle of the last six months, like two days in a row. I had the weirdest reaction to it. I was having flashes in my left eye, like bad, broad daylight flashing like in my eye. Flashes, yeah. yeah. And I Googled it and it said that it's a, it's a uh, detached retina. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went to the ophthalmologist and they're like, oh, we'll check it, but no. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. And they looked at it and they're like, no. And I was like, and then I Googled it, like side effect of Xanax and... Lo and behold, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I did different. I stopped taking it stopped happening. Sure. So, yeah, don't don't Google anything. Big mistake. Um, so I've learned that. And I've also learned a lot in my professional life that I am right where I'm meant to be. Um, I don't regret law school. I don't regret going down that path. I don't care anymore. Um, will I someday use my 
law degree and my law license to do good in this world? Absolutely. When that time comes, how that time happens, I'm not sure, but I will absolutely use it to help people in this world at some point. Um, For now, is the podcast my outlet? Yes. Is By Dixon my outlet creatively? Yes. But then here's where I went wrong the last few years. I made it stressful for myself because I look at everything like work, project, deadline has to get done. And I believe that my feelings and my perception of that, if tweaked, which it is now, this could be more fun and more positive for me as opposed to stressful for me. This doesn't mean that I don't release an episode every week on time because I'm more lackadaisical now. No. It means that when I wake up in the morning on the day that I have to record, I'm not like running around like a zombie and like, you know, trying to go, 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 go. This means that when I'm trying to figure out the next line of products for By Dixon, I'm not sitting here stressing about the things that I can't do yet for By Dixon. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like I'm going with the flow and ease. I'm hitting all my deadlines. I'm doing everything on time. I'm showing up every day. But nothing is like do or die, you know? And I feel as though I've I've kind of always had that in me. Like, oh, in law school, let's get be done. I finished law school in two years, you know? Like I could do six classes and six finals in one term. Like I can get on law review too. And I could do this too. And I like I've always been like high strung in that. Like if I'm going for something, I'm gonna go for the full thing. Still have that in me, but not to like a self detrimental level anymore so emotionally I feel like I'm more tapped in and tuned in and turned on and like calmer and happier and more relaxed and creative with things and just like chill I'm not putting these superficial timelines Mm -hmm. on things anymore because I don't have to I do have that like luxury where I don't have to do that I also feel a lot of ease slowly each day of just like my regular life, my normal life is great. Like romanticizing my day-to-day life. Like my mom is the one who's, by the way, teaching me most of this. But she's like, you have to be like, okay, like I'm cooking today. And like put your whole heart into it, you know? I didn't do that before. I did it, but I did it as a job. Something I think that has been a big learning also that could help people out there that are going through similar issues is seeking mentorship or points of view from people that are not super close to you sometimes, right? And the reason I say that, and I see this all the time with what I do with um, Capital Innovators and working with entrepreneurs, sometimes advice is better received if you don't have a direct connection to that person, because if you have a direct connection to that person and they're trying to help you and give you advice, even if it's, if it's literally the exact same advice on something, there's like this subconscious thing that kicks in. It's like, oh, you know, for, for some people, not everyone, but for some people, and they're like, oh, you know, I, I, I don't really know if I, if I believe that or if I should do it, if I should do that. But then you may hear the exact same advice from somebody that you meet at a coffee meeting for 30 minutes and that's 
it sinks in at that point. Like you absorb it. So I think it's so important that if you're going through something that you seek multiple points of view from different people and not just people that are your mom or your brother or your sister or your cousin, right? Um, you know, find that external way to get information too because you may better receive it if it's not coming from somebody that has that direct relationship with you. My mom this whole time was saying that it's diet related, Nina. You need more food and um, start breath work called pranayam, which I'm going to get into next episode. And what, six months later, a rheumatologist tells me the exact same thing. Yeah. And even like the whole time I've been trying to figure out like, what do we do to strengthen your immune system, right? You eat, you eat more food, you Mm -hmm. eat better food, you get out in sunlight, you reduce your stress levels. Like these are just basic things to strengthen your immune system. And that's what it all ends up being. And it was an acupuncturist who said to me, you need to go back on the food that like literally your grandparents and your parents fed you when you were a kid she's mm-hmm. like i cannot tell you do not go to a western don't do not touch western diet do not eat out and do not eat raw vegan she's like you got to go back to what you grew up on and it's that's what it turned out to be in the end but it's been a journey for sure and i've something else i've learned is women and i want to speak this mostly on women we go through and you if it, if it pertains to guys by all means hop in but we go through um stages in life I feel from a personal experience like one you're super career oriented then you're like family oriented sometimes you're in limbo (laughs) you don't know you know we go through like stages in life it's not all the same like we don't just have this one career and we go along no we have other things on our plate that we take care of whether that's societal or generational who cares I don't even care anymore but that's just the reality of it and I feel as though I wasn't gracefully moving with my life as I should have been, you know, like just letting things go as they went and embracing like the new me. And now I don't even look at my career per se as something or someone like I'm not my career. I'm not these things. I'm not my Instagram. (laughs) You know, I'm not my, I'm not the podcast. I'm not by Dixon. I'm not the clothing line. I'm not the book. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a human being with like this physical suit as you, what do you call it? A human I call suit. it the human earth suit. The human earth suit. And I'm here for a short amount of time. And my job is to be as calm, stress-free, happy, and healthy as I possibly can. And just, just bask in life. That's what I'm here for. Something that I love is that we follow this guy named Sadhguru, who is a... He's so cool. He's like the coolest guy. He's from India, but he basically travels around the world and he talks to people about just like wisdom and life principles and practices to live a good life. And he always talks about these interviews and he goes, one of the funniest things I noticed in the Western world is this principle of stress management. And he starts laughing and he's like, why would you want to manage your stress? Why would you want to have stress to manage? Why not just not have stress at all? Why not learn to move through your day with ease so that nothing bothers you so that you can have a calm centered state of mind at all time? then you never have anything to manage. He's like, stress management to me is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Just don't have stress in the first place and you can train yourself on how to do that. I agree. And it's sad that it's become such a part of our life that you have that, like, right, stress management. It's like, why don't we work on towards just not having that at all or experiencing that at all? Mm-hmm. Um, I've also learned how important it is to be slow in each moment. Um, us Geminis, 
which this not my brother. My brother's also Gemini, but he's the complete opposite of me in some regards. He's slow. He's calm. He's very passionate when he talks, but he by no means gets as stressed or worked up as I do. But I know other Geminis in our families that are very like hyper and like, you know, go, go, go. And you can, I can now spot it in people because someone called me out on it. I can now see it in other people. And I'm very like aware of it at this moment. And to those people, if you're one of them, I would say, relax, calm down. Mm -hmm. And meditation is not enough. Okay. You need to change your whole outlook on life. You need to change. A lot of it is fear driven. People like us are driven, like we have fears and like we have like scary, like that's that's why we, we become that way. You need to eradicate yourself of all of that. And positive thinking, I now, after going through all this, could say it's more about positive feeling. Mm-hmm. Positive thinking won't do shit for you. You need to be feeling those positive feelings and actually moving through. Like yesterday, I was literally four or five hours just... I didn't even think I was in St. Louis anymore. Like I thought I was somewhere else, like at a carnival, like just having a blast mm-hmm. and just let go. Nothing is that serious in life. Um, I think that's what this has shown me. And although there was a time a couple months ago, I told Brian, I was like, I will never do the podcast. I shut by Dixon down, get rid of our site. I'm not doing the clothing line. I went through that phase already. And because I could see no light at the end of the tunnel at this point. Nothing mm-hmm. was more important than my health. Mm-hmm. Nothing to me was more important than me being able to run again or work out again or like not feel this way, you know? And now that I get, I'm getting a little bit of like groove back, all the creativity and all the ways that this could be fun and happy just like came flooding back, mm-hmm. you know, without the stress and anxiety. And that's what I was missing. I was thinking positively. I'll always be successful. I'll always do this and I'll always be that. And, but I wasn't feeling it. The feeling was missing. Mm-hmm. And because the feeling was missing, the actions were forced every day. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't be disciplined. Like when you start something, you should be doing it to its full extent. And like I will probably do two episodes a week now. Who knows? But that's what it took it took all of this plus covid (laughs) to um make me feel more and i absolutely am putting my happiness first Mm -hmm. if i want to go home to scranton and see my family i'm gonna buy that ticket and i'm gonna go i'm not gonna worry about brian and onyx or every tom dick and harry which is i have a tendency to do that like before i make a decision i think about how it's gonna affect everybody else before I do something, I'm always worried about what someone else is going to think or say. And now I just do what I want to do. If I don't want to go somewhere, I tell Brian, I'm sorry, I can't go. Okay. If I want to do something, I'm like excited and happy and I'll do it. But I'm not trying to fulfill someone else's version of me anymore. I'm not trying to fulfill, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a person in this world and I have a ton of relationships, right? I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm all these things, but I'm not trying to fill other people's versions of me anymore. I'm just trying to do what feels good to me. And for the next year or so, I am going to be that way. And I'm going to be selfish, quote unquote, because I don't think that's selfish, to 
bring myself back up to optimal health and to do all the things that make me happy and stay away from everything that makes me stressed or gives me anxiety so that after a year I can be the best Nina and because I've taken care of myself now I can go out there and be a, and a be a good person and then I can fulfill all these different roles that I have in my life but till then I I advise everybody to be that way you don't owe anyone anything because when shit goes south all you have is like the person you see in the mirror looking back at you like literally my mom could obviously she's 99% of the reason of why I'm even like alive right now because she literally like would talk to me while I go to sleep when she couldn't fly to St. Louis she's with me now she's gonna be here again November 20th to like January 4th or something she's like staying a, a big chunk of time with me and I need that crutch so bad but at the end of the day she even said to me she goes I can only guide you I can only cook for you and teach you how to do this but it's your heart it's your mind that you have to quiet down it's your f- positive feelings that you have to bring in you have to believe this you have to push yourself so when she's telling me come for a walk with me and I'm saying mom I can't she's like I'm only going to tell you you can the rest has to be up to you now mm-hmm. and so that's another thing I've learned that don't think someone's going to come save you okay you even learn a, how to save yourself. Exactly. Even a doctor for six months, no one could tell me. No one could save me. No one could give me anything to take my stuff away. Mm-hmm. I had to be there for myself. Um, and I did. Did I withdraw from a lot of things? I did. I had to withdraw from a lot of things. Um, I was late in responding to friends. I was not texting people back. I wasn't wasn't with it, to be honest with you. And that is okay. And right? that's... Hundred percent. And I bet you there's a lot of people that during that time was like, "Why am I getting responses? Like, what's going on? Why is she is she being rude? Is she mad at me? Like this and that." And at the end of the day, and I think this is a big learning lesson for a lot of people too, is just like communications and the devices that we communicate on should be a tool. It should not be a stress-induced need to respond to somebody on a certain timeline. Like, and I've even over the last couple weeks, I've turned like. I usually have all my notifications off for the most part, unless it's like a time pressing thing, like a phone call or something like that. But like from a social media perspective or any of that, like for years I've turned off all my notifications that I get from any of that stuff. And I even went and put my, um, the social tools that I use for business behind like a gateway on my phone so that I'm not like opening them and trying to like respond to people or opening them and like feeling like I have to engage and since I've done that, I mean, holy cow, it's made such a huge improvement. Like I'm not just like wasting time, you know, wasting time I shouldn't be. And um, I feel like so many people get in this motion of, oh, somebody sends me something, I have to respond right then. Like, no, you can respond on your own time, take care of what's important to you in the moment and, and make sure you're, you know, doing what's right for you. And don't feel like just because you received a message from somebody or a call that you're under some type of obligation to create stress within your life to then make sure you respond on a certain timeline, you know? So, um, but yeah, there's been, it's been a, uh, you know, pretty remarkable last six months in terms of learnings and evolution. And I'm so glad that, you know, your health is getting better and you're feeling better. I definitely notice it. And it's so funny too, that after all this time and we go through, and I've always had this feeling because I'm not a big fan of Western medicine in general, in terms of how we approach things. 
And I actually started doing a bunch of research. I always knew this, but I never knew the reason why as to why is it that our doctors, especially in America, I'm not sure as much about other countries, but our doctors are not trained in depth around nutrition and holistic healing. And I started talking to different people that are doctors and trying to understand it better and nobody, not a single doctor told me like, oh yeah, we have this, this curriculum that we go through in terms of like diet and nutrition. It may be like a very small subset of what they learn. And so I started doing more research to try to figure out why is that? Why is it that our medical system in the U.S. does not actually train on this type of holistic healing and healing at the root cause and using and leveraging diet to heal certain things, right? And as I started to go deep down and understand that and do, and do my research, I learned that back in the 1800s when Rockefeller, the original Rockefeller was around with Standard Oil, that back then diet and this holistic healing was actually a big part of medical education. And it was very prominent in the medical industry for people to treat things and heal people through different types of herbs and supplements and uh, diet that they were eating. And... Rockefeller's group actually discovered that you could create a pharmaceutical pill through using a petroleum base, which was uh, basically a, a direct profit line for Standard Oil and some of the other divisions of what he did. And when he learned that you could do that, he thought, oh, wow, I bet you you could really commercialize and make a lot of money off of selling a pharmaceutical pill for healing things or trying to heal things, even though I don't think at the time they knew that it wasn't going to heal stuff like they thought. And we could really make a lot of money off of it. So what happened was Rockefeller began to, once they understood how it worked and the amount of money that could be made from these the petroleum base that could go into creating pharmaceutical pills, he started funding through the Rockefeller organization these massive research grants through the most noteworthy medical institutions in the U.S. saying, oh, you just started off, it was like, you should start studying this type of stuff. Like, st put this as part of your curriculum and from a research perspective to understand how a petroleum base within these pills can actually help, uh, you know, create these pharmaceutical compounds. And then over time, when they began to get more understanding of how it worked, he began to write bigger research grants across the country from the Rockefeller organization to then fund to say, you should rewrite your medical textbooks, removing holistic healing, removing diet and nutrition based health and wellness, and start to incorporate pharmacological education. Um, and so over time, that began to happen to the point where Everything that was taught from a medical perspective was around pharmaceuticals in terms of how you should go about diagnosing these different illnesses and treatments that just opened up huge revenue streams and it just deleted all these holistic healing things. So that's why in today's day and age, after 100 plus years, it's been so ingrained in our medical system that it's very challenging to find the right kinds of doctors that know about this and how to heal the body through these holistic ways. And it's and it's like downed upon. It's this, like from a lot of people. All of this reminded me of midst of all of this. I also went to a, home, a homeopathic guy here in St. Louis. Um, really, really good guy. If you guys are in the St. Louis area, DM me. He is awesome. Very smart from Germany, and he helped me with the pain situation and their plants and herbs, and they work phenomenally, and they have mm -hmm. no side effects. It's not ibuprofen. It's not some. He brings like mushroom, right? It's a mushroom, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
and it takes the pain away and you can't get addicted to anything. Like it's a supernatural way of going about things. If you guys have, if you don't know about homeopathy, definitely Google it and look it up. Um, big industry in India for sure. That's how we even thought to go after it. I was like, if I'm going to do anything for pain, I'm going to go that route, not the pharmaceutical route. But yeah, you have to do your own research. I don't know why our medical field is the way that it is. It makes me really sad. I was actually talking to um, your cousin's wife. Um, I won't name her on here, but I was speaking with her the other day and I was texting her how like the whole thing sometimes makes me sad. It's funny. The criminal justice system makes me sad when I look at it because I know what goes on inside of it because of an experience. And now I feel the medical field makes me makes me kind of sad because when I was going to the doctors the last six months, mind you, I've been a healthy kid my whole life, saw my family be very healthy. So this was kind of like new for all of us. I didn't know how to deal with it. I would be shaking just walking into a doctor's office. That's how like new these health things were for me. It's not common for my family to go to a doctor. Mm -hmm. So when I'd go in there and I'd see the TV screens talking about GRD and acid reflux and if you have this and you have IBS and here's like, this, take this pill, pill and, take this medication and there's another like doctor's office and they have another screen up there and they're like if you have so and so and if this is happening then ask your doctor about this yeah. and I look around the waiting room people with masks on like oxygen tanks and like it was just like sad because like I knew that I was being forced to go through this and I was being forced to get all these MRIs and these scans and all this blood work and nothing was being found but at the same time, if they did come back at me with some stupid pill, and then I don't know what it is, but this could help you, okay. I I would look at those people in the waiting room and be like, that's not what I want to be. Like, this is, I'm in the wrong place. Like, that's not who I want to end up like. Like, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just the world we live in. But one thing I have learned, and I haven't told anybody this yet, but I'm going to say it today, is that learning over the last six months of just how remarkable the body is that you can, a lot of things, I'm not going to make a blanket statement, but like I feel as though my body is so remarkable and how it's going to bounce back and how your mind plays a big part in this. It's not just physical. Is that I am not scared of seeing changes in my body. And that means like I don't have to run six miles to be skinny or in shape, right? I don't have to like kill myself. I know that if I feed it right and I think right, and I do a healthy amount of exercise, it's going to respond healthy. And it's going to be and look healthy and feel healthy for me. It's not It's not going to like let me down, you know? I have to trust it, I have to believe it, and I have to feed it good, and I have to think good and feel good, and it's going to respond. Our body's energy will respond to all the good that you do to it. If you push it and put it through shit and do enough crap to it, going to respond another way to you and I feel as though my relationship with my health and body changed Mm -hmm. for the better Um, I used to be deathly afraid of kids of having kids and now I'm not scared because I feel like our bodies are designed to do certain things it's not scary you know what's scary doctors are scary (laughs) (laughs) this medical world is scary okay (laughs) those pills are scary Um, but your body is not scary anything going on with your body is not scary it's just trying to communicate with you and once you give it what it wants, it's going to be fine. It'll mm-hmm. all work out. But yeah, that's a lot. A lot of info. And we'll keep you posted on how everything's going. And you know, hopefully that 
there's somebody out there that has either gone through something like this themselves or they know somebody else that's gone through it they care about that they want to you know just share information with and knowledge because i think that's the best way we're going to get through it is just you know sharing these firsthand experiences if anybody else has encountered them it can help them out and people who go through serious health issues like my heart just goes out Mm -hmm. i have a lot of sympathy now for people who have like health stuff um, and they say like you don't you don't realize anything you don't feel anything you don't feel someone's pain unless you walk in their shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I'm you know on my path to getting better, but people who do go through hell and have some serious I'm not going to name those negative diseases or words, but like I that really makes me sad. It like hurts my heart now. Mm-hmm. Anytime you tell me about somebody going through something health related or anything, it like bothers me mm-hmm. because now I feel their pain and I understand it. But. uh hats off to you and if you did go through something or you are going through something uh mind over matter yeah for um, sure. it's hard it took me six months and i still have bad days but you have to just keep repeating to yourself like mind over matter there is like actually one last thing there is neuro-based science now coming out proving that if you can like think and feel healthy while you physically don't feel it, mm-hmm. you can like rewire your body in three months. Yeah, epigenetics. So we've talked about it before too, but definitely look into that. And also if you guys are dealing with any kind of chronic pain, I highly suggest an app called Curable. Um, it was like 60 bucks for the year. I've been doing it. It helps. And also Dr. Sarno. Wim Hof too. Is a book. If you have chronic pain, read that. Mind Body Prescription is the name of it. A third thing I want to say, her name is, let me get my Instagram. If you follow, this is all for people who have like chronic symptoms or chronic pain. Nicole Sachs, S-A-C-S on Instagram. So Dr. Sarno, Nicole Sachs. S-A-C-H-S. Yeah, what did I say? It's all good. Okay, Nicole Sachs, Dr. Sarno, The App Curable. And we're going to get into the breathing stuff next week. Okay. I'll leave it at yeah. that. So chronic pain or chronic symptoms of anything you're going through, try these three people out for sure. Um, they gave me a lot of relief. And all their little exercises and like their little breathing techniques and their meditation techniques and brain exercises, I write them down in my notes section so that no matter where I am, I feel symptoms. I immediately <laughs> drop into one of them, takes it away. I'm not even joking. I thought this was like, a bunch of BS and then I did it and it worked. Mm-hmm. So I highly suggest that. Next week I'm going to share some breathing exercises that my rheumatologist shared with me to help with your autonomic nervous system, mm-hmm. which is a part of my problem with my nerves right now. But 90% of us have some sort of dysfunction with it. We just don't know it mm-hmm. yet. So we'll sh- I'll share more about a breathing technique that I've been doing and it's only been five days and yesterday i was out and about for five hours mm-hmm. walking around with no symptoms mm-hmm. so it's working um i know a lot of people who do this like they brush their teeth every day like a workout like brushing your teeth breathing exercises should be a part of your life style but that'll be next week so That's stay right. tuned guys i hope you enjoyed it any feedback is appreciated and I'm happy to be back. That's right. We're happy to have you guys tuning in and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Take care.